And then put a bookmark there. First Psalm. Put a bookmark there. I don't hear no pages turn, Lori. Uh. <laughs> Chapter one. Hey, man, was Sunday awesome or what? Hey, oh man. my gosh, yes. And I got to thinking too that I was so tired when I left out of there that I didn't thank everybody for all your hard work. Uh, Jimmy, you did an awesome job as usual on the grill. Oh, yeah. Yes. <laughs> and thank you for cooking for so many people. Right. It's easy to forget all the work involved when you get to play a game or talk to everybody oh. while you're over top that grill. But I want you to know, man, that I really appreciate you doing that. Well, we had a ball. We had a great time, too. Yeah, it was awesome. And then me and Kitty had a, uh, had a special blessing that morning because we pulled up to the shelter. And when we were still a good distance away, we could tell there was people over there. And I thought, oh, man, you know, I'm going to have to have a discussion with somebody or invite them to stay for church. Right. <laughs> and we pulled over there, and it was Travis and Lori. And Travis already had the fire started, and Lori was sweeping out the shelter already. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it, I just, me and Kitty were talking about it yesterday. That we're just thankful to be a part of a group of people again that that are that are invested, you know, that you can tell that love the church as much as you do. That Amen. We've been through a few experiences where it wasn't that way, and it has taught us to value the people that are that way. And we just wanted to tell all you guys that you know we really appreciate being in your church family. Well, we love you. <laughs> yeah, we love you. We can tell. We love you. We can tell. Um, <clears throat> all right, so. Psalm chapter 1, and then now turn to Jeremiah chapter number 17, if you would. Jeremiah, I'm going to have to go back a little ways here. And uh, usually it's Jimmy trying to, to, to preach my message before I get to on Sundays. But this time, uh, Stacy and Jimmy sang a song on Sunday that really stirred up some stuff in my heart. This chapter of Jeremiah is where that song came from. And here's one thing I like about the older songs is almost all of them are scripturally based. Yeah. Or they're somebody's testimony. Mm -hmm. But that's one of the songs they sang Sunday came from the 17th chapter of the book of Jeremiah. Uh, I'm going to start with verse number five. What I want to talk about today <clears throat> is planted. Planted. Verse number five, thus saith the Lord, Cursed be the man that trusts in man and makes flesh his arm and whose heart departs from the Lord. Now, God is saying that, that when he says, Cursed be the man that trusts in man, it's not we shouldn't trust people. It's not that we shouldn't trust each other. What he's talking about is, Cursed is the person that puts all their trust in what yeah. man can concoct, right. in the lifestyle that man can come up with, with the financial plans that man can come up with, with the ways of man. Yeah. Uh, cursed is the man that puts all his trust in the world's way of doing things. Mm -hmm. 
Cursed is a man that, that trusts in the things that man can come up with, uh, but also make his flesh his arm. Now, that sounds funny. And you know, this is a good example of one of the reasons why a lot of people say they don't like the King James Version. This is one of the reasons I love it so much. Because it makes you stop and think. Mm. And also, when you do think about a verse, it paints a picture in your head. Cursed is the man that makes his arms flesh. Well, we all got arms that are flesh. Uh -huh. What this means is a person who makes his strength, right. what man can come up with, is cursed. So in other words, if I sit down and I figure out my financial plan, my retirement plan, if I decide uh, how I'm going to raise my children, if I decide how, what the, the, the foundation for my relationship with my spouse is going to be, and I draw all that information from the things that mankind has come up with, I'm cursed. I'm living under a curse. It isn't that God says, okay, I'm going to destroy everything you do. That's not why I'm cursed if I build everything in my life based on the best that man has to offer. If I base everything in my life off the best that man has to offer, then I leave God out. Right. And right. everything in our life needs the supernatural. Man can figure out how to do things pretty good. Man's come up with some pretty good things in his day. Mm -hmm. But nothing man has come up with matches what God has come right, up with. Right. Like, there's some good financial planners who would have, you know, some ideas on how to find loopholes in a 401k, uh, how to take advantage of the tax regulations in our government. Uh, but their best still doesn't line up to the best that God has for us. Amen. So what God is telling us here is that a person that bases everything in their life on what man has to say about it and does not take into account what God has to say is already under a curse because they've not invited God into it. So cursed is a man that trusts in man that makes flesh his arm, uh, that makes the, the strength in his life all is drawn from what man has come up with. But also, cursed is a man whose heart departed from God. So this paints an even uh, a worse picture. This is talking about somebody who at one time or another, they, they based the way they treated their spouse off the way God said they should treat their spouse. Mm -hmm. They based the way they raised their children off of the way God said they should. They based their financial strategy off what God taught about finances. But somewhere along the line, their heart departed from God. So that person is under an even worse curse because they did things God way for a while. And anybody that does things God's way is going to find out God's way works mm -hmm. and God's way best. But something came in their life, whether it was uh, uh, an illness that came into their life or it was uh, a divorce came into their life or something came into their life that caused them to remove their heart from God. Now, this doesn't even mean that they that they made up their mind, I don't love God anymore. This doesn't even mean that they ever opened their mouth and said, God, I don't love you anymore. But what it does mean is that somewhere along the line, they stopped living by the principles of the Word of God. And here's where, where the heavy part is. We can still 
think in our mind that we love God, and we can still believe in our heart that we love God, but if we have departed from living our life according to the scriptural principles that God has given us, then we have departed from God. Even if we believe in our heart that we love Him, we have departed from Him. And in that case, then we live under a worse curse. Because we're the people that, that knew God. We knew what it was to have God bless our finances. We knew what it was to have God in our relationship with our spouse, with our parents, with our children. But then when something comes our way, whether it was our fault or not, and something happened into our life that made our heart hard or made it cold or made us feel like we had been betrayed, when we start living any part of our life in a way that's different than the way that the Bible teaches us, then whether we're aware of it or not, our heart has departed from the Lord. Now, the reason that I feel uh, an urgency to talk about this a little while <clears throat> is because there are going to be things come in our country that are going to make it very tempting for us as Christians to start living different parts of our life a different way other than the way God teaches in the Bible. What we've seen uh, in our government is only warming up. The failures we've seen. in the, Now think about that. That is the flesh of man. Mm -hmm. The government is the strongest thing that man has to offer. It's what the people that don't live for God put all their faith in, right. is in the government in our country yeah. or the power of the United States. And we've watched in the last couple of years as we've been reminded of how badly that flesh of the, the arm of the flesh can fail us. But this is only getting started. Worst persecution is going to come to the United States of America, and we've got to be prepared for that. Because so far to date, we don't know what it is to be persecuted as Christians. We as American Christians think that we've been persecuted if somebody makes fun of us right. or if somebody mocks our faith. That doesn't feel good, but that is nothing compared to what real persecution is. Right. And it's going to come to Christians in the United States of America. I must say this again. There is a blood bill of 63 million babies in the womb that have been murdered. Our country has a judgment coming, and we're not going to disappear when that happens. We're going to be here for that. And we've got to make it solid in our heart, in our mind, in our spirit, that no matter what comes our way, we're staying planted in God, that if they make it illegal to go to church, we may not always be able to go to a public governmental building like the senior center, but we've got it planted in our heart. We're going to get together. If all of us here in the Kingsport part of Tennessee have got to leave at different times and meet our Greenville family somewhere in Greenville where we've got to hide to have church, we're going to assemble together right. because we know what the Bible says about the strength that we draw from each other. But it's easy to say those things, but we've got to start right now building it in our heart that when that day comes, we're going to do what we got to do, but we're going to stay planted. Amen. Now, watch what it says happens to somebody who 
Their heart was with God. They used to trust in God. They used to make God their arm or their power, but they have turned away from that. Watch this. That person shall be like the heath in the desert. Now, that heath uh, is a, a juniper, and it is a tree that as it grows, it grows and it looks gnarled and it looks twisted. And it's a picture of a tree that somehow has got its roots wrapped around uh, a rock and there's no water nearby. And it's a twisted, dried out, gnarly looking tree in the desert. And it says that that's what the person that walks away from God, that puts their trust in something other than God, is like. And look, this kind of person will not see when good comes. Now think about that. A person has made a decision that, you know what, uh, I can't lose my job over my faith. Uh, I can't lose my family over my faith. I can't lose my friends over my faith. I'm not going to risk being arrested because I'm a Christian, so I'm going to be a secret disciple. I'm going to love God in my heart, and at home, I'm just not going to let anybody see anything in my life that would mark me as a Christian. And that kind of person that walks away from God in their spirit, they look to God like this gnarly, twisted up, dry tree that's got its branches around a rock. The only problem is that rock isn't the rock Jesus Christ. It's something in this world that they've got their, their trunk around trying to survive. Yeah. And that person will not see when good comes. See, that's the thing. We can make a bad decision in order to avoid something bad coming our way. But the problem is, if we turn away from God to making that decision, then Bad is all we're ever going to see. And this Bible promises that this person shall not see when good comes. But this person shall inhabit the parched places, dried up places where there is no water, in the wilderness where there is nobody else and there is nothing else there, in a salt land that is not inhabited. Mm. That is the only end result for us if we turn away from God when persecution starts to come to our country. This image of this tree is a poor and a destitute tree. Not poor as in poor financially, but poor in spirit, poor in mind, poor in heart, destitute. Nothing of any value. There's going to come pressure to the American church to turn away from what we believe. Pressure has already started to mount in the pulpit not to preach against homosexuality. It's already mounted and it's starting to get louder. And they're getting to the place where the government is starting to come out and say some things that's only a few steps away from saying if you do preach against it, it's hate speech. The awful murders uh, yesterday in uh in, in Tennessee, in our own home state, three babies were murdered. Three adults were murdered. They were murdered by a trans person. And this trans person targeted them because they are Christian. This trans person, when they were a child, used to go to that Christian school. This trans person 
targeted this Christian school because they teach against the lifestyle the trans person was living. I watched a, a senator, Josh Hawley, who most of the times when I've seen clips of this man, he's been, he's been right on target. He stands against hate. He stands against things. This man made a comment about those murders, and he said that that crime needs to be designated a hate crime. The only problem is he then followed that up by saying that that hate crime was acted out in response to hate speech. And it seemed to me that he was referring to these Christians at the church that perhaps they had said that that lifestyle was a <coughs> sin. If this senator, by what he said, meant that that hate speech is what instigated those murders, he then followed it up and said that that hate speech has got to stop because it is inciting hate crimes. Okay, here we've got a Republican senator that has stood for the right all along in all these things in the last couple of years and has been a voice of reason, but now he's opened his mouth and said that it's the hate speech these Christians use that caused this hate crime, which is blaming the Christians for being murdered and also is calling that speech by the Christians hate speech, which is Bible. There was no hate in their speech. If, in fact, all they did was state that this is a lifestyle that God is not pleased with, that it is a sin, it needs to be repented of, if that's all they did, if this man is calling that hate speech, then it's already started, you guys. Mm -hmm. And what's going to happen next is they're going to have hearings on this, and the hearings are not going to no longer just be about banning the assault weapons. It's going to be about banning this kind of speech that says that lifestyle is a sin. We're getting closer and closer to the day where our own government is going to attempt to ban scriptural preaching and scriptural teaching under the guise of hate speech. Now, will this happen? I don't know. If it does happen, how soon would it happen? I don't know that either. But I do know that it's headed in that direction, which means the people of God right now, we've got to sink it in our hearts right now before the day comes that no matter what the government says, I'm going to stand with the Bible. No matter what the government says, I'm going to live my life the way God teaches me to live my life. I'm not going to live my life under a curse. If we turn from teaching what the Bible teaches and teach what man teaches, which is this, if I, as a preacher, start to say, no longer is that lifestyle an abomination in the eyes of God, but if I stop teaching about that completely because the government considers it hate speech, then I'm not teaching the people that come to the bridge what God says about things, which would mean that not only am I the man in verse 5 and verse 6 that is cursed, but I am going to bring everybody underneath my teaching into a curse as well. Because I'm going to teach them to live their life according to what man says is right, not what God says is right. We've already seen in our country through COVID. COVID 
has been a curse, but it, God has used it for a tremendous blessing in a lot of ways. One of the ways is he has exposed the pulpit lions who turn into crickets when push comes to shove. Because we watched as men of God all over our country shut their churches down and only had church like we're having it right now. And they did it because the government threatened them and told them if they did have church, they were going to get arrested. And we watched hundreds of pastors, thousands of churches in our country not have church anymore because of what the government says. Now, more than likely, a good portion of these same churches and preachers, if the government decides that we can no longer teach or preach against homosexual lifestyles, many of those same churches and pastors will stop preaching it. And what's going to happen is the same hate you saw get spewed toward churches that kept their doors open and men of God that kept having church anyway. That hate is going to be directed toward churches and men of God that continue to preach and teach what the Bible says about that lifestyle. So look, we got to start right now before it happens. And in our daily prayer, God, I love you. God, let whatever it is I need in me, let it be found in me when that day comes that I will not turn away from you because of what the government might say. God, let me make up my mind. I'm not going to go to a church that won't teach the whole Bible. And I'm not talking about in a hating manner. I'm not talking about in a venomous manner, in a mocking manner, or in a way that looks down their nose at people that live that lifestyle. But I'm talking about going to a church somewhere where the preacher will stand in the pulpit and with love say, while we love those people, we love the word of God more than any man or any lifestyle or any habit. And we're going to stand on this Bible and we're going to teach this Bible if it means they come into this building and drag me out and take me to jail. Now, see, you know what? The thing that blows my mind is this does not sound far-fetched at all. No. There used to be a day where when I would have talked about something like this, I would have followed up by saying, while this sounds far-fetched, it's not. But you know what? I don't have to say that anymore. That just tells you how much closer we are getting to that day. Because there isn't one of you in this call right now that thinks that's far-fetched. It's not far-fetched because it's not far off. Listen, right now is the time. Now is the day to go through all your daily disciplines, to go through all your daily uh, things you have in your relationship with God and make them stronger than they've ever been before. Right now is the time that whatever your weakest part in your relationship with God, whatever my weakest part is in my relationship with God, that we've got to address that thing head on. Because if we leave a weakness a weakness, that will be where the enemy will do his best to get in when the heat comes and separate us from our God. And we've got to decide right now, I will not be separated from my God. No. Because listen, if we 
cannot find the discipline to do the things we're supposed to do in our walk with God right now, while no one is telling us if we do, we'll go to jail. When that day comes, we certainly won't be able to do it. So get these things solid right now. I'm glad to be talking to a group of people right now that pray, that fast, that worship, that read your Bible. I'm glad for all those things. But we've got to encourage each other that we cannot afford to let up on any of it. The day's coming where the heat is going to come our way. And we cannot fall under the curse described here in Jeremiah chapter number 17. Now, look at this promise that follows this. See, God's never God just comes out and says, here's this awful thing, just deal with that. No, there's always an option. He's a God that gives us an option. He gives us a way out of every curse, out of every damnation, out of every result of sin there is. Look what he says in verse number 7. Now, uh, blessed is the man that trusts in the Lord. I'm not talking about Billy Graham's trust here. I'm talking about this Bible is talking about blessed is the man who knows his strength is in God. Blessed is the man and the woman that know that the strength in their life comes from God. That we put our trust not in our government, but in God. We don't even put our trust in the company we work for. We put it in God. Blessed is that person. Also, blessed is the person whose hope not is in the Lord, but whose hope the Lord is. Yeah. Man, that's awesome. I like that. Yeah. That's better than having my hope in God. No, no. It's better than that. God is my hope. So see, when I don't have an answer, when the heat comes and I don't have an answer and I don't know, all I can say and i got to be able to find my peace and my comfort in knowing that while I don't know how this is going to turn out, my hope, guess what, is God. Not just in God. God is my hope. Amen. Here it tells why. Look at this. No, no, no. This verse qualifies us for the next verse. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Blessed is a person whose trust is in God. Blessed is a person whose hope God is because that person, that person, if we make God our trust, if we make God our hope, that person will be just like a tree planted by the waters. Right by the waters. Now, something that's awesome about this word planted it's the word softball. And it doesn't mean just plant, like you go to a Lowe's and get a tree and come home and plant it somewhere the first time. This word softball means planted as in transplanted. <laughs> so that means this person who trusts in God and makes God their hope is just like a tree that was removed from where it was 
and planted somewhere else. That's just like us. God removed us from the life we were living before and transplanted us into the life that only comes from being in the kingdom. Yeah, he yeah. removed me from a life where my my tree, I had no roots, man. There wasn't any fruit on my tree. It was a poison tree. But God lifted me up out of where I was planted and transplanted me in the good soil that is the kingdom of God. Amen. And this scripture says that the person who trusts God, the person who makes God their hope, will be like that tree that has been transplanted from wherever you were before and will be planted by not just the water, the waterers, plural. That gives the idea of running water, a steady water. And also, we will be like that tree planted by the waters, and that spreads out her roots by the river. So if we make God our trust and our hope, then God plants us right by water, and our roots begin to spread toward that water, toward that river. See, that's our part, right? God is the one who roots us up from where we were in the life we were without him, then transplants us into the good soil of the kingdom of God, right by the waters, but it's up to the tree to make sure that our roots are going toward that water source. Amen. And you know, how do we do that? We learn ways to tap into that water. Amen. And you know, for us, it's living water, right? So the way we learn to tap into that water, we sink roots in prayer. We sink roots in fast days. We sink roots in studying the Word of God. We sink roots by worshiping God when we come together as a group of people. That's how we sink our roots toward the river that supplies that water for us. This is another reason why we need each other. <laughs> So those of us that trust in God, who and God is our hope, we're transplanted into the good soil of the kingdom by the water, then we make up our mind as that tree that we're going to spread out our roots by the river. See, we have the ability to grow more roots. If we study more, we'll grow more roots. If we'll pray more, we'll grow more roots. If we worship more, we'll grow more roots. And I'm telling you, the day's coming where we're going to need every root we have just to survive what's coming to this world. Mm -hmm. Now watch this. Because we've been transplanted, because we have spread our roots out by the river toward that living water, we shall not see when the heat comes. But our leaf will be green. See, the heat's going to come. Now, what this means is, it doesn't mean, literally, that that tree won't see when it gets hot out. That tree is there. It knows it's hot. What it means is, the effects of the heat are not going to cause this tree to suffer like the other trees that aren't planted by that river that haven't spread their roots out. It's exactly what this means. This tree that spreads its roots out by the river shall not see when the heat comes, but our leaf will be green. That means 
the Christians in our world today that don't get their roots sunk in this word, that don't get it sunk in the church, that don't get it sunk in fasting and prayer and worship and coming together, when that heat comes, and it is coming to the United States of America, when it comes, the Christians that don't have their roots sunk in, their leaves are not going to be green. That's like, you know, some people can grow anything, right? Then there's some people that can kill anything. There's some people, I almost believe they could kill a rubber plant, dude, right? And the, the reason they do usually is because they forget what? They forget to water it. I mean, you know, they, they, they're not conscious of the plant. Because if you walk by a plant and you see that it's looking all shriveled up and the leaf ain't green anymore, it's brown, and it's all circled up and ready to fall off the limb, you know in your mind the reason that's all withered up is because it has no water. Mm -hmm. That's what's going to happen to people of God that do not get their roots in as far as they can right now before the heat comes. That heat's going to come and their leaf will not be green. Look at this. This is the rest of the promise for those of us that make up our mind that we're going to sink our roots in as far as we can. Look at this. This tree shall not be careful in the year of drought. Now, this word careful, it means anxious. Notice it says, doesn't say this tree shall not be careful in drought. It says this tree shall not be careful in the year of drought. That's a long time with no water. You know what that means? That means that this tree that made up its mind when God transplanted it right by the river of living water, it was going to stay there. It was not going to turn away from God. And in addition, it was going to grow more roots and sink them all into that river that's flowing right by it, that this tree does not have to worry that there is no water coming down from above anymore because it's got its roots sunk in right into that riverbed. You see the difference? You don't have to worry when that water doesn't come down in the form of rain it's got its roots in the riverbed now people Christians in our country and in this world that do not sink their roots into that riverbed when that heat comes and there is no rain from heaven they will have no source of water no source of water but us that have made up our mind we don't have to be anxious when the rain stops, there's going to be a day. There is an awakening that is starting right now. Mark this down in your heart, man. I'm the old man. I'm going to get my reward first. Remember this after me. The order of things are going to happen. The great awakening has started already, and it's going to grow and build in momentum. But then after that great awakening, it's going to come to a screeching halt. The persecution is going to come, and the church largely is going to go underground. And that is the day when there will no longer be raining from the sky for the people of God, and only people with the roots so deep are going to survive. That day is coming. Now, we don't have to just barely get by. Look at the promise in verse 8. They sh we shall not be anxious in the year of drought, neither shall we cease from yielding fruit. Man, look, 
a fruit tree that yields fruit when there ain't no rain? Man, you know that fruit tree has got those roots deep, and it's got a lot of them. And it's tapped into that water. Because if you ain't got no water, you ain't going to bear no fruit. You see? So even when there ain't no rain, not only will we not dry up, not only will we not turn away from God, not only will we not give up our faith, but our lives will continue to bear fruit. The reason this is so hard, so important for us, to get this sunk in our hearts before that day comes, no matter how far down the road that might be, is because of the very next verse. This seems like a strange place to put this verse, but it's not. Not when you consider what it is we're talking about. See, everybody that loves Jesus, if I was talking to everybody right now that loves Jesus about all this, Everybody would have had a couple things when I was talking about uh, tightening up what's lacking a little bit. All of us would have something that would come to mind. But every Christian in the country would say, my roots are deep. I'm not going to turn. Doesn't matter who else turns. Everybody would respond that way. And that is exactly why God put this verse next after addressing this. Because the heart is deceitful above all things. Everybody thinks they stand, but that's because they are deceived. You cannot go with what you feel. You cannot go with what you think. That's why these disciplines are so important. When you know you pray, when you know you fast, when you know you worship, when you know you meet with the people of God and you're working on your relationship with God, when you know you did the extra work to sink those roots deep, then you can stand solid. Your heart has not deceived you. But for somebody to think they're going to stand and say, yes, I'm a Christian, when it's the police at the door and going to arrest them and take them away from their family and never let them out, people that never worship God any other time than church, they never pray, they never fast, they never study, those people that think they're going to stand when they live that way are deceived by their own heart. That's why the disciplines are so important. When you fast, you know you fast. Well, I know that's right. When you read the Bible, you know you read your Bible. When you gather with the people of God, you know you gather with the people of God. That's why doing these things is so important. The heart is deceitful above all things, desperately wicked. Who can know it? Then he gives us the answer. I, the Lord, search the heart. Search the heart. I try the reins. These are a couple cool words right here. First of all, the word reins is kill y'all. Well, you say that in the wrong place in the south, and everybody think you just threaten them. I'm going to kill y'all. That's what the word is, kill y'all. And it means the mind. Emotions. So the word right there means your way of thinking. The mind. The word try, when God says, I try the range, it means investigate, examine, and test. So let's hear that again. I, the Lord, search your heart. I investigate your mind. I examine the way you think. And then 
I test the way you think. Why would God test the way His children think? He tells exactly why. Even to every man according to his ways and according to the fruit of his doings. I test your mind to give each one of you according to the way you live your life, according to the reward of your doing. See, God has a law of the harvest that no one can escape. And the law of the harvest is this. Whatsoever thing a person sows, that must they reap. He is the Lord of the harvest, and he runs everything off the law of the harvest, okay? So the reason God would examine the way we think, the way we decide how we're going to respond to things that happen in our lives, and then tests the way we think, is because he's going to reward us for our actions sooner or later. The reason he tests us first is because we can see whether or not we are doing things the right way. If God waits until I'm dead and stand in front of him, and I spent all my life making my decisions in life the wrong way, then I'm going to reap a terrible reward. But if while I'm living for God, God tests me and gives me opportunities to make decisions on my own. And then when I make bad decisions and it turns out bad and I see that it's bad and I know it's because of what I decided to do. And then I go back in the Bible and say, okay, what's the right way to do this? Then God will test me again. And the next time I'll do it the Bible way and it will turn out good. And then when I stand in front of God, the harvest I'll get will be a good harvest. Mm. So see, God doesn't do us like cat and mouse. That's not what this testing is for. These, this is like the pop quizzes before the final exam, right? He's teaching us as we live this life. And we're finding out whether or not we are acquiring, acquiring, quack, quack, acquiring the right way of thinking when we have decisions to make. There's a lot of decisions that come our way. Financial decisions for our families, decisions about our children, grown or otherwise, decisions in our marriage, and a lot of times we can make those decisions just like that, especially the older we get. You know, we've acquired a lot of life experience, a lot of knowledge, so we'll make a lot of decisions really quick. If we're not careful, we can make some of those decisions too fast without seeking God's counsel. Mm -hmm. And we can find out whether we did that or not by the way that thing turns out. Yeah. If the whole thing blows up in our face and we reap a bad harvest, then we know somewhere along the line we made a bad decision. When that happens, we go back to God and say, okay, God, I made this decision. I thought it was right. It's bad. I'm sorry for that. Please forgive me. Instruct me on the right decision to make in this circumstance. See, we learn how to do it down here. That way, when we stand in front of God up there, it's going to be a great harvest, right? Mm -hmm. It kind of makes sense. And it makes sense why God 
has this with the first scriptures about the curse that comes to people that knew God and turned away from Him. Now, I want to add this to that. This isn't necessarily just people that knew God and then backslid and quit going to church completely or have anything to do with anybody. <clears throat> this can be people that still go to church and at some point in their relationship with God, they knew God in their marriage. They knew God in the way they raised their kids. They knew God in their finances. But somewhere along the line, they stopped doing one of those things God's way and turned away from Him that way. That's why this section of Scripture is so important. We have the opportunity right now to make sure we are planted right now. Because the heat is going to come. A person that lives their life and does things any way besides God's way is like a partridge, a bird that sits on their eggs, but the eggs don't hatch. The bird did the work, but it didn't come out right. A person that does things man's way, doesn't do them God's way, can put all the work in only to see the whole thing fail. So is he that getteth riches and not the right way, shall leave them in the midst of his days, and at his end shall be a fool. Somebody that does things God's way can lose it all right in the middle and come out a fool. But here's our hope. Here's our confidence. A glorious high throne from the beginning is the place of our sanctuary. When it says from the beginning, that word literally means before time even began. Mm -hmm. And it is referring not to the high throne itself, but the one that sits on that high throne. He is our sanctuary. He is our sanctuary from before time even began and after time stops and anything that comes this world's way while we're in it or after we're out of it is not going to matter because our confidence is in God. It's in God. I'm only going to give you one verse from Psalm 1. What time is it? Yep. Yeah, I'm only going to give you one. I was going to read the first three because they go perfectly with that section we read. Well, I guess I got to at least read them or you won't know what the he is in verse 3. <laughs> Blessed is the man that walks not. These are blessings for not. Most of the blessings in the Bible are for things we do. There are some blessings we get from God for some things we don't do. Here's some blessings for not. Blessed is a person that does not walk in the counsel of the ungodly. That means if you've got a friend who's pretty smart, they've been married 50 years, and you're having some some marital issues and you take advice from that friend because you've been married 50 years but they don't have anything to do with God they're going to lead you astray somehow, some way 
You have a blessing if you don't walk in that way, if you don't live in the way the ungodly live. Blessed is the person that does not stand in the way of sinners. That means you don't have nothing to do with that lifestyle. You don't stand in that way. You don't live that way. You don't talk that way. You don't act that way. Blessed is the person that does not sit in the seat of the scornful. All of us have had some pretty rough things happen to us in our walk with God. And for a season, it is healthy to vent that. But after a certain amount of time, we have to be careful that we're not just spewing out bitterness. Right. Because we can find ourselves sitting in the seat of the scornful. Uh -huh. After a while, we can just be talking about what that person or that church did, and we're doing it because it feels good to talk bad about them, because I'm angry at them, because I owe them one. We have to be careful that we don't find ourselves sitting in the seat of the scornful. That also means the kind of person... Here's an example. I have a social media policy. If somebody makes a comment on anything I post and it's negative, if they have never made a comment positive on 50,000 of my posts, they're out of there. I'm blocking them. Goodbye. The reason why is, is because if you never have nothing good to say to me in 50,000 posts, but now you want to say something the first time you disagree with me? That's not the kind of person I want in my life. That's the kind of person who only has something to say when it's negative and usually only has something negative to say. But, blessed is a person whose delight is in the law of the Lord and in his law does he meditate day and night. That kind of person is this person, the one I want to get to. That person who delights in the law of God, will be like a tree, here we are again, planted by the rivers, here we are again, of water, that brings forth His fruit in His season. That's cool. He don't just bring forth fruit in season, He brings forth His fruit in His season. What do you mean, His fruit? The fruit He's worked for. You'll get what you work for. Also, his leaf will not wither. Though it's dry, though there's no rain from heaven, I'm planted by that river and I will not wither. I'm going to have my water. And finally, I really like this part, whatsoever he does will prosper. See, every bit of this points back to people that have the roots sunk deep. Right now, other than the price of missing a meal, it's free to sink our roots deep with fasting. That's why I encourage you, if you've been fasting from sunup to sundown for the last year, you really need to up it. You really need to go from sunup Wednesday to sunup Thursday. Is it awful? Oh, yeah. Does breakfast taste amazing on Thursday? Oh, yeah. There ain't no such thing as a bad breakfast on Thursday when you've been fasting since sunup Wednesday. Mm. Right now, it's free 
to sink our roots deep in prayer. You can open the curtains on your living room window, turn every light on in that living room at pitch black night, and let everybody drive by and see you with your hands clasped in prayer, and it is free. But it will not be that way forever. Right. right now is the time for all of us to sink our roots as deep as we can sink them. And this word tonight, this lesson, this is not a discouraging lesson. Are you kidding me? This would be a terrible lesson to learn after the heat comes. Right. It'd be a terrible lesson to learn this when it's too late to sink our roots deep. Amen. But right now, there's an awesome promise in the fourth chapter of Psalms, verse number three. And this is each one of us. Each one of us. Psalm four and three. I, I got this written out. And it's going on the mirror. How'd I do it? There we go. It's going on the mirror in my bathroom tonight. Psalm 4 and 3. But no, there ain't no doubt about that. But no, the Lord hath set apart him or her. Who? Has set apart him or her that is godly. See, we don't set ourselves apart. God sets us apart. How, how do we become godly? We learn what God likes, and we do it. We learn what God doesn't like, and we stop doing it. But know that God has set apart him or her that is godly for himself. Woo! The Lord will hear, and I love the way he words this, when I call him. See, the writer right here, in other words, is saying, I'm godly. If I'm godly, I can know that God will hear when I call him. Look, if you make it your life's mission right now to sink all your roots as deep as you can in your walk with God, you are godly. And God has set you apart for himself. And you got a promise, and you may have to remember this promise somewhere down the road when it's dark out, and you don't know if it's ever going to be light again, when our country is completely unrecognizable, and we don't know if it's ever going to be right again. There may be a time in your life where you're going to need this promise right here, but because you have made up your mind to sink your roots deep in the things of God and to be godly, you can know that when you call God, He will hear you. And I'm telling you right now, you guys, there's going to be a day where we're going to need to know that. What I want to do tonight is I want to, I want to finish in prayer. God has been opening up my understanding to some things that have happened in our country, some things that have happened in our society that I didn't put a lot of thought into before, and he has shown me how far it reaches <laughs> and the consequences if it goes unchecked. And this Sunday, I'm going to preach about one of those things.
And I'm going to give you a little, a little heads up about who it is and what it is I'm going to talk about Sunday. Sunday, I'm going to teach about the prince of the power of the air. God has given me some serious things to talk about. And we're going to sink some more roots deep and we're going to need them sunk deep for the things that are getting ready to come our way. The good news is, we make it. He knows our name. He hears you when you call Him. And He has set you apart for Himself. Father, I thank You, Lord, for Your people tonight. I thank You, Lord, for Teresha and Emma and Kaylin. I thank You, Lord, for Lori and Travis and their families. I thank You for Damon, Irish, Melanie, 